Imagine a world without the arts, no music, performance, sculpture or dance. What a grey world this would be. Because of course to experience the arts can be one of the most important and life-affirming elements of a good life. Every civilization on earth since the very beginnings of human existence has celebrated, even revered, depending upon your time in history, the arts and their value to a civilized society. And yet, they seem to remain under constant threat, including in our schools. Welcome to Illumin for Parents. I'm Jacinda Ryla, Principal of Brisbane Girls Grammar School and your host. Today I'm joined by the Director of Creative Arts at Girls Grammar, Andrew Penney. Andrew's taught music at Girls Grammar for more than 20 years, always challenging our students to explore their musicality and using oral-based activities in the classroom to enhance their compositions and their improvisation. He hopes to bring students more deeply into the world of sound. Andrew Penney has lectured in music education at a tertiary level. He's presented workshops both nationally and internationally. And it's my pleasure to welcome him back to Illumin. Thank you, Jacinda. It's great to chat. So, Andrew, to begin, let's put us, I guess, in the frame of what we're going to be talking about today. Tell me, what subjects are you talking about when we talk about the creative arts? Yeah, the creative arts umbrella encompasses our three curriculum arts offerings. So that's visual art drama and music. We offer these three subject areas from the beginning of year seven all the way through to the end of year 12, timetabling them in the same fashion as English and you know, history and maths and other subjects. But it is an important distinction uh, because it's a different model to the co-curricular arts offerings such as audition choirs or interest-based groups that meet outside the school day. So while we're going to focus our conversation today on the curriculum art subjects pursued within the classroom, tell us though a little about those very many and varied and exciting co-curriculum programs, clubs and ensembles, etc. that are part of the creative arts at our school. Yeah, we're so lucky, aren't we? It is very exciting. We're able to present so many beautifully artistic co-curricular programs from grammar dance to gypsy band from chamber strings to all that debating has to offer, of course, from grammar singers to drama studio, from our audition senior drama company through to our perfectly little niche songwriter studio collective, you might say. And all of those offerings are there to support our girls find a home within our home. And each of them provide, you know, an opportunity to augment uh, and complement our curricular offerings in the arts. So tell me, how do they differ, though, from those core curriculum studies that the girls will do in a classroom? What we see is a really interesting dance between breadth and depth. And, you know, that's uh, common between so much of co-curriculum and curriculum. The curricular pursuit of drama, for instance, provides us with the scope to delve particularly deeply into the world of theatre, social commentary, script writing, directing, analysis, all of that richness. Work is more likely to be student-devised in the curriculum. Musicians create their own scores, their arrangements, they produce their own albums of original works. Visual art kids construct you know, stunning small and large works and these beguiling installations. To generalise, the co-curricular arts landscape provides us with a different kind of, of experience. It's very professional in its execution and perhaps more refined in its scope than the curriculum could be. You know, the perfection of an existing body of work, for instance, or realising a director's vision 
the kind of thing that's more constrained to be better achieved when you only see each other once a week after school. So together, the co-curricular and the curriculum, those facets of arts learning help kids strike that balance between the messiness of original individual artistic pursuit and the exactness and the discipline that we see in ensembleship in the co-curriculum. So, you know, it's really wonderful to see kids flex and strain as they straddle those two, you know, sides of the coin. And that beautiful example of Charlotte's Web with the Year 7 and 8 ensemble last week. So beautiful. An exquisite example of that. Mm. So tell me, um, Andrew, so we're, we're talking about the arts disciplines in secondary curriculum. What, in your view, and I know I'm speaking to the converted here, but (laughs) what are some of the many benefits and life skills, particularly for parents who are listening, that you think students develop in these subjects? Arts advocacy is such a a massive thing, you know, and it's tempting for me to say that uh, music, art and drama are so important for the skills they give kids beyond. But I want to start with the intrinsic value. So the arts are quite simply intrinsically rewarding for students from year seven, well, from birth, (laughs) but, you know, all the way through to year 12, young people love art. We see that. They love acting with their friends. You know, it's hilarious and it's heart-wrenching. They love jamming, mashing songs together, laying things down with a loop pedal in music. Kids love that. Our girls love crafting with exactitude. They love the pleasure of the rigour, as Erica McWilliam would say. And I think Plato got it right. So, you know, forgive me from reading Plato. I don't memorise him. (laughs) There is a kind of good which we would choose to possess, not from its desire for its after effects, but welcome for its own sake. Mm. And, you know, this is mirrored in the OECD uh, report, Arts for Arts Sake, uh, which I should give you a copy of. It's scintillating. But, you know, it, it goes on with that timeless theme. It says, the arts are important in their own rights for education. Students who gain mastery in an art form may discover their life's work or their life's passion. But for all children, the arts allow for a different way of understanding. They free students to explore and experiment, to introspect and to find personal meaning. I think it's a very compelling case for, as you say, pursuing the arts for their inherently valuable and intrinsic worth. But, you know, some parents will say that's all well and good and and we we certainly understand all of that. But what's their practical value, really, particularly when they're talking to their, you know, young sons and daughters about potentially pursuing an arts curriculum subject? Yeah, yeah. The the common thing that I hear is um, that's all well and good. So, you know, I'll continue learning flute with my my teacher in a small dark room and then I'll save my curriculum subjects for, for other ones that might be perhaps vocationally oriented. And and of course every arts teacher hears that that from students and from parents. Actually, the very essence of our national curriculum agenda through ACARA is to focus on seven general capabilities. So that's all subjects for all students. And if we went further afield than the obvious literacy and numeracy and ICT, there's these other four capabilities that all subjects really should be imbuing a sense of of importance. So these important skills form the very core of so much of what we offer in the arts. So the first one is intercultural understanding, you know, and and that is so core to what we do uh, in our classrooms. A genuine interest not only in the lives of others, but in their deepest emotions, others' deepest emotions, as expressed through song and through movement and through art. 
Secondly, arts kids here at school develop ethical understanding, and we know they do that in all of their subjects. But in the arts, we use art, theatre and music as tools to help the girls manage conflict and uncertainty. We work as groups so often. Mm. We work as full-class communities so often, and that remains a core feature of our practice from Year 7 all the way through to Year 12. Imagine we actually assess girls together at the same time, interacting with each other. It's a very interesting space to be in. And of course, that doesn't happen in other parts of the school. Uh, thirdly, we strive to really focus on personal and social capability. So developing empathy for others and understanding relationships, working effectively in teams, handling challenging situations constructively. And finally, the very bread and butter of my experience working with teachers and with students in the creative arts we are a home for the critical and the creative thinking. And of course, I'm not you know, saying anything to Cinder that, that will shock you, but that home of creative thinking, making something new with other things is just really what we live for. And a big part of why we love teaching those girls and it's such a rewarding enterprise to be a part of. We're talking a lot about the value of teaching and education, I think, as you describe being part of that, that comes through very, very strongly. But let's talk about subject selection because, of course, right from their earliest days in secondary school, girls are starting to think about what subjects I might pursue and, you know, one of the things about it is that they often feel spoilt for choice and they're very concerned about making the right decision and where will this go and which ones do I enjoy and which ones are I, am I good at. But certainly parents seem to get most most involved and are most interested mm. when we're moving into the senior school. Mm -hmm. So those really important subject selections for year 11 and 12. Tell me, Andrew, how do you work with the students and their parents, particularly those who are considering whether to pursue an art subject or two or even three, mm -hmm. how, how do you have those conversations with parents and uh, their children? The mantra at BGGS has been the same, certainly since I've been here over two decades. Study what you're good at, mm -hmm. study what you're enjoying, and the rest will actually follow. Because here's the reality. If I look back at last year's Year 12 Girls Who Finished, visual art, they went on to study things like design, law, health, pharmacy, psychology, architecture, nursing, film, paramedicine, and journalism. That's how visual art girls. Drama girls did the same sorts of things, but also physiotherapy, agricultural science, international business, law, and communications. So we get a sense there that your arts teacher is not there to turn you into a musician vocationally. We are there to support you through what you enjoy and what you're good at, and the rest will follow. Music kids from last year ended up going to exercise and nutrition, medicine, engineering, biomed, optometry. And of course, each year we have those girls who also go on to creative industries, uh, life in theatre, you know, a life in fashion. Those things, of course, are very core as well to the, the, the kinds of students who we um, foster. I guess every subject is an academic subject and, and one of the things I hear is oh I need to concentrate on my academic subjects mm. as I go into year 11 and 12. Music, Tearing your hair out. Oh I know <laughs> I know so music, physics, PE, mm. you know viz art, whatever you choose you actually end up doing extended unpacking of dense theory. That's the way the syllabuses are designed so my thinking is to be sure you do a subject that holds your sustained interest, your curiosity, enables you to keep passion and 
pure joy, you know, in your life, in your day. Uh, and to me, you know, that all starts to define a life that is enriched by learning. So I'd love to think if, if that's okay, Jacinda, about a particular girl, and mm, that's Mink. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Mink's in no, year Mink. 12. Yep. And she's a current um, art student. She hopes to study wildlife veterinary science in 2023. So earlier this year, she exhibited two large-scale wearable survival suits mm-hmm. worn by mannequins in her artwork exit strategy. And they were hung down on level three of the, of the CLC for a while. Mink wanted to highlight climate destruction and doomsday speculations through found materials, as you can see, mixed media, plants, surgical face masks. And what she said, you know, she had the audience come in, or the viewer, I I suppose, and water the plants that were attached to these mannequins. And so, you know, there's an interaction there. When we look back at her supporting documentation that, we sh- that she submitted to Mr Pincott, her art teacher, she said her work is designed to criticise the current destructive short-term strategies for the supposed future and foreground a more organised, unified and nurturing survival strategy. It was a really powerful artwork, demonstration of deep criticality, empathy, environmental awareness, and even burgeoning leadership skills. You know, the sorts of things that I would value in a wildlife vet. And, and I'm just so glad that we could have had visual art as that medium that she chose to embrace those philosophical things. So that's in her art subject, visual art, here at school. But where do you think this type of learning is going to take Mick when she leaves school? So, you know, as she goes on to a life of vet science, I did ask her yesterday and, you know, it didn't take her very long to spit back a reply. And uh, if you don't mind me again, I'm going to read what she said Mm because I think this is fascinating. Mink says, my plan for next year is to enter into wildlife vet science in the hope of one day working with and rescuing exotic animals. My motivation seems, uh, sorry, stems from a deep-rooted desire to play a part in saving the world, and even she put that in quotes, <laughs> mm. as ambitious as it may sound. Perhaps the most crucial piece of knowledge, says Mink, I have acquired from my time in Visa Art, is the idea that one can indeed change the world. I've seen how artists have revolutionised thinking, diversified human experience for the better, the sheer power that art wields as a force to be reckoned with is constantly reminding me to have guts, remain tenacious and make that powerful impact that I want to in this lifetime. And Mink is but one of very, very many girls, of course, making noble, important, authentic decisions about the direction might, uh, life might take. And I'm really glad, uh, as I say, that the creative arts have played a large role in that. You'd say life-changing, listening to that. And, and obviously many will go on to become vets and doctors and lawyers, but a lot actually want to pursue a career in the arts. So whether it's in music or drama or, or, or art making, what about those girls? What, what, what's your thinking about them and, and do we support them? Do we encourage them? Are we excited that they're actually going to devote their lives and their professional careers to the arts? I'm always excited. All teachers are excited when a student wants to pursue, you know, an area that, that is so dear to the teacher's heart. And actually, I'm always excited that parents have continued to foster their daughters through this road of becoming theatre makers, designers, musicians. 
Uh, it's fantastic, of course. So if you'll indulge me, I just want to think about Charlotte, who's mm-hmm. another year 12 girl. Yeah. And, and she is hoping to embrace a life of music beyond school. And when I think about Charlotte, she would never do anything else. It, uh, this mm-hmm. is what she lives and breathes. I know that. She's a wonderful musician. And I, again, I just checked before I came along today. She still wants to go to Iceland. She's mm. desperate to go to Iceland to investigate compositional practices, the compositional language, the musical language of Iceland. And well, Where was that inspired? Yeah, you know, I mean, we've explored in class mm. and she's explored as a young musician broadly. Mm. Um, what a win for Spotify that, you know, <laughs> that, that girls go on and, and sort of go down rabbit holes, mm. you know, um, uh, of course, you know, that that's a big part of it too. So she's at the moment busily preparing and working with us to to finalise her folio for university entrance. And kids like that actually don't even need an ATAR. You know, it's like it's, it's quite interesting to think about in terms of tertiary options. And so I was hoping, Jacinda, that you would um, allow me to play for our listeners in as an outro today this wonderful work from Charlotte. And I'll tell you just a little bit about it. It's from her music extension coursework this year. And the work speaks for itself. You know, it's an original work that's honest, it's reflective, truly testament to the inherent worth of the creative arts as part of this broad and liberal education that we offer at Girls' Grammar. You know, what capacity she shows, and you'll hear that, to look inwards, expressing what it is to be human and, you know, expressing uh, what it is to be good, you know, and to be to show good and to inspire good in those around us. Andrew Penney, thank you for, as always, your intelligent reflections on the value of the arts, but also importantly for our parents in providing some of that practical and wise guidance, particularly as girls approach those important subject selection decisions. And I agree, I think it would be absolutely beautiful to conclude with Charlotte's piece. Does it have a name? It's the kids. The Kids. Okay, let's listen to The Kids by Charlotte. Hey. Okay. 
You have been listening to Illumin, a podcast by Brisbane Girls Grammar School. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And to learn more about the school, visit the website at www.bggs.qld.edu.au.